But most people, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to pay $75 for tires. So they hear they're only $49.95. Then you got to buy all them extras. Like, do you want them on the car? Ron and Anian. Brakes kind of concern me. Listen, unless you're going to lay in a large supply of shoes or drag your feet, you know, there's not much else that's going to really stop the vehicle until you hit whatever it is you're aimed at. And dodge is the perfect word to put on the front of a van coming at you. No, she's a little bit dangerous. A little bit dangerous. The car doctor. I understand that it's not cheap to repair a car, but I also understand the potential of the fatality. It's, it's brakes. It's not like we're talking about air conditioning that could fail. We're talking about brakes. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. It's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome, Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here live at 855-560-9900. More information about us at cardoctorshow.com, uh, podcasting and all the other usual good stuff that you want to know about us, we're there. Also out on Facebook, Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. Thanks for stopping by, by the way. Got to get into it real quick. We've got a lot going on in the next two hours. We're, uh, we're busy. The phones are backed up already. Um, I, I just want to do a quick opening, some quick opening thoughts about fixing cars. I've decided that to properly diagnose cars, you've got to be out of your mind. You really do. Because, uh, well, let me tell you the story like this. So, 97 Ford Ranger, does this sound familiar, listeners? Right? 97 Ford Ranger now has got about 211,000 miles on it, 212, something like that. You know whose truck this is. This is my truck. This is our little shop truck. I mean, gee, I've been talking about this. Let's see, we're on radio 26 or 7 years. I've had the truck since 2004. So I've had this truck, you know, two-thirds of the life I'm on radio I've been talking about this truck. It developed a problem about a month ago where it was a long crank time. da 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 And it wouldn't fire. And it was, it would it would start okay cold, but when it got hot, it was really just really hard to get it to, to, to start. You would kind of ring in a prayer and... You know, poking a hope and, and rub your belly and, and, and turn over three times and you just hope it would catch. Well, it can't be the fuel pump, I said, because I was thinking about it. In my mind, see, there's that word. In my mind, I said, well, the fuel pump's new. I put a fuel pump in it when I got it. Because I got it in 2004. It had a blown rear and the customer didn't want to fix it. And if you remember the story from way back when, and maybe I should make that a contest, see if anybody remembers the story, see how good, A, everybody's memory is and see who's the longest car doctor listener. But we, we, we picked it up 2004 because the customer blew the rear, and they didn't want to fix the rear. And I said, go home, go talk to all your aunts, uncles, brothers, mothers, sisters, cousins, kids, and tell everybody that I'll give you $300 for the truck. It's got 160,000 miles on it, and I'll fix the rear, and I'll drive it and do what I want with it. And I always do that because I don't want anybody coming back and saying, well, you stole it from me. Nope, we're all big boys and girls. We all make adult decisions. You know, this is what it's worth to me. If you can get more for it, you know, see you. Came back, and not to make this a story about how I bought the truck, but he said, yeah, you're right. It's worth 300 bucks. It was 300 bucks, and I've had it since 2004, too, which I added it up the other day. I put about $11,000 in it in the past 14 years just in parts, and that's, you know, but that's what it takes. I mean, gee, if I went out and bought a new truck, what would it have cost? So, you know, everything's relative, and everybody's got to get paid, right? Everything has value. Everything costs something. 
So back to being out of my mind, I said, well, this truck can't be a fuel pump. It sure acts like a fuel pump, but it can't be a fuel pump because the fuel pump's new. I only put one in when I got it. And how long ago was that? Wait a minute now, and I'm adding it up. This is 2018. It's 2004. Yeah, so the fuel pump's 14 years old. But I've only gone 50 or 60,000 miles. Well, let's see. I did. So I've gone about 50,000 miles on this fuel pump. Gee, Motocraft fuel pump right from Ford, that can't be a 50,000-mile pump. Nah, there's no way it's the pump. Let's go look at everything else, and that's just exactly what I did. All right? I looked at everything. Coolant temp when I started, air fuel temp sensor, mass airflow volume. I tested everything I could think of, and guess what? It was still broken. Couldn't find anything wrong, and that's when it hurt me. I said, you know, I must be out of my mind, or maybe I should be out of my mind, because if I was out of my mind and not trying to think about, well, it can't be, I have to practice what I preach and, you know, tell you what's good. Find out what's good, fix bad. I mean, that's the rule, right? We've always said that. Said that for the longest time. So I said, yeah, but it still can't be a fuel pump. My gosh, I mean, a fuel pump only lasts than 45, 50,000 miles. That's just, you know, although I was starting to weaken. It was a Monday. And I said, maybe I should screw a fuel pressure gauge on it. All right, I'll get to it by Tuesday. Well, Wednesday came around, and I kind of parked it over there at the end of third bay, and I put the fuel pressure gauge on it and started it up, and I had 33 pounds. Well, spec is 42. Well, that's not good. And then I shut it off, and it should hold residual pressure for 20 minutes to a half hour. Fuel pressure dropped like a stone. Guess what? It needs a fuel pump. The uh, fuel pump is bad. And that's when I realized that... If I had been more logical about it and less in my mind, you've got to be out of your mind to fix cars. And I say that in more ways than one because it just would have been so much easier. Put a new fuel pump in it. By the way, we found that we found the method for putting a fuel pump in a uh, little Ford Ranger. So when you don't want to take down the tank because it's you know it's just a big pain in the neck, you got to drop the tank. We took the bed off. Yeah, there's six bolts, Torx head, uh, T30s, I think they were. And we uh, took the engine hoist in the shop, which we don't use anymore because we don't do engines anymore because what engines go bad, ha-ha. And we had the bed off in 20 minutes and uh, swapped out the fuel pump. The whole truck took us an hour to do the whole job. And uh, bang, zoom, it fired right up, 42 pounds, held residual pressure. Look at that, it's fixed. Hey, I fixed something. I went home feeling good that day. I decided, you know what, you really got to be out of your mind to fix cars. 855-560-9900. I'm running Annie the car doctor. Let's kick the garage doors open real quick, Anthony. Can we do that? And uh, let's go over and talk to Beverly in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Beverly, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help? Thank you. You're welcome. Well, I'm interested in buying a used car. Okay. I'm interested in the Nissan Altimas, but the one that I um, was looking at is a 2011, and it has 107,000 miles on it. And when I did a Google search on it, it, see, it appears that the 2010s and 2011s have major transmission problems. Yes, they do. So I didn't want, I didn't want to purchase it if I have to turn around and put another three or $4,000 into it, another 20,000 miles down the road. Well, the, so I was wondering what you knew about that. Well, the good news and is... You confirmed it's, that. Yeah, it's, and the good news is it's not three dollars $4,000. It's, it's probably five dollars $6,000. So just... Just yeah, it's not cheap. It's a CVT out of Nissan. It's going to be a Nissan Reman, and they do warranty them up to 120. So there is a there is a campaign and there is a recall going on. Uh, you know, it's easy enough to find. I would take the VIN and run it through the local Nissan dealer, 
and say, you know, is the recall and the issues with the CVT transmission applicable to this car? And you may find that the trans has already been done. Now, the, the, okay. the bad news is, my understanding, once it's been done, now you're on your own nickel. So, yeah. you know, it's, they, won't, they won't redo it twice. So what it really kind of comes back to is, you ever buy a pig and a poke? Because you're about to. You know, it's it's unless uh, unless you're mm -hmm. emotionally attached to this car, uh, you know, unless, right. unless you had one in college, unless you met your, you know, unless you met the love of your right. life in the first one way back when, uh, you know, it's there's right. there's so many other cars to choose and pick from. Why why buy a problem? Right. Cars are cars are tough enough, Beverly. Uh, you know, to buy the ones with yes, the non-issue. Yeah, yes, it's, they are. You know, I read an article well, the other. What about the, what about the newer models like the 2013s? Um. Well, as my friend Tim, who is the uh, shop foreman for the local Nissan dealership, says, he's not quite sure why anybody buys a Nissan. Um, you know, oh, my goodness. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> he, says, he said, you know, he said, the good news is with a Nissan, and I'm quoting Tim, we talk every day, and uh, he said, the good news mm -hmm. is with a Nissan is not a lot goes wrong with them. He says, the bad news is when something does go wrong, it's either the engine or the trans, so it's pretty easy to diagnose. So it's either something minor or major. Okay. There's no in-between. Um, you know, it's, is it a Nissan connection in the family? Or you just happen to find a Nissan dealer that's looking no. to sell cars cheap. I just happen to like the car. Yeah. I just like the way the car looks and drives and, you know, it's just, just like thing. I just like the features of it. So, but, me, um, I will steer away from it if it's, if it's a problem. Well, let me, let me ask you this. Are you going to buy it from a dealer? Probably. Do you, yes. do, you do you, you know, cause here's the deal. If, 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 if you were five minutes away and you were here in New Jersey, I'd tell you, yeah, go buy a Nissan because I have I have the utmost confidence in the dealership where Tim works, for example, if something was under recall, that I know it would get done and it would get done properly. All right? Mm -hmm. um, the, the problem is, A, the car is going to break. B, the second problem is who's going to fix it and how well are they, and how good are they at it. And, 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 then that, right. and, that's, and that's always the concern. So, okay. you know, it's... You, you want to look at something in that size, go look at a Ford Focus. Go look at a Ford Fusion if you want something a little bigger. Go look at some of the Toyotas, all right? Um, go look mm -hmm. at some of the Hondas. You know, see where the Honda. price. Yeah, see where the price point is. The thing I don't like about Hondas. The thing I like about Hondas is they're reliable. The thing I don't like about Hondas is they're reliable and they know it and they have an attitude. And you know, it's it's mm -hmm. it, it's tough getting anybody at a Honda dealership to talk to you like a human being. I find that's my experience. It's just just what I I say. What about Subarus? Um, Subarus are nice cars. They get a little pricey to maintain. Um, you know, right. but they're they listen. I'm 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 waiting for the. <laughs> You know, you're picking them all, Beverly. I've got a, I've got a customer with a 20, <laughs> let me okay. think, what year is his car? It's a 2010 Subaru Legacy with 100,000 miles on it that has a torque converter problem that we're waiting for the transmission to come in. The trans is $6,200, and it's about 30 to 45 days to get the trans. It'll be about eight grand by the time we put a trans in the car. So, no way. yeah, um, and, and Subaru is another funny company, all right? Their, their attitude about fluid services never changed the fluid, like Nissan's. Nissan's attitude is never change the fluid, um, but yet they've got problems. Mm. Uh, you know, yet right. they've got problems. Understand. Yeah, I read an article the other day, this, this week, somewhere along the way this week, I read an article and it really got me thinking. I'm going to see if I can find it. If not, I'll comment, comment on it later this hour. 
that the car companies, it was written by, it was in Bloomberg, and they talked about how car companies are realizing that it is so difficult to build a car today that it's almost not economical. It's not worth the effort. Right. That the day of the disposable car is going to make life so much easier because we'll just build a cheaper car with less <laughs> options that literally, it's what I've been it's what I've been thinking about, that we're going to get to the point maybe someday in the future where the car is going to break, you're going to pull the plate off it, you're going to call for an Uber, the Uber will take you home, and the recycling truck is going to come around, chew it up back into plastic scrap, and melt another one and put it together somewhere else. Um, just, oh just, just the way of the future. Just the way of thinking. So, But, yes, uh -huh. steer away from the Nissan. You know, remember, whatever okay. you buy, whatever you buy, it's just important that you've got a good certified technician, whether it's a dealer or an independent working on it, and you're comfortable with them and you've got that relationship because the relationship with the mechanic going forward is going to be just as important as the relationship with the doctor, the lawyer, and everybody, every other professional in your life. All right? Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Great. Thank you so much, Ron. You're very welcome, Beverly. You have a good rest of the day. 855-560-9900. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, coming back right after this. back on the car doctor by the way want to let you know that today's car doctor radio broadcast is brought to you by the nice folks at generac and the reason i say that is and that's kind of an odd statement is because of the fact that we're running on generators so if, if all of a sudden i'm doing the show and i'm talking and all of a sudden you hear this that means the generator died, and you can call Generac at their 800 number and say, hey, what happened? I thought you guys were the best. Uh, uh, actually, I was going to say I thought that meant Tony had decided to take a break and stop pedaling. Well, I, you know, we, we, we've got to get somebody out there, and um, I, I actually have given Tom and Tony the instructions on how to restart the generator. It's off, enter, enter, auto. Um, in that sequence, you have to hit the buttons. And um, I'm not kidding. We're serious. The Northeast really got walloped. you got to see the snow around the studio. We had, to, uh, we had to go get Tony today. Tony's train from New York out to Jersey today was actually 20 minutes early, if you can believe that. That just goes to show you how screwed up New Jersey transit is. They're actually ahead of schedule. So even when they do something wrong, they can't uh, do something right, they can't get it right. It's, it's just beyond comprehension. But... I'm not kidding. We're on generator today, and uh, so far it's working, which is what we kind of planned for. Um, you know, I hate it when Tom Ray plans something and it actually works like that. That, you know, he said, if you get a generator that does this, and we spec out the studio, and um, the only fatality we suffered in the storm was one of the UPSs on the streaming machine uh, died, and uh, we had to bypass it temporarily, order a new one. So, by the way, the streaming machine will probably be down on Tuesday when we swap out the UPS. We have to do that. Um, but not kidding around. We're on generator, so uh, I, I understand the show still sounds good. We're up in the air. Here, let me test Let me test the generator. Yep, the light works. Okay, we're on. So let's go over and talk to Bill in Lisbon, Maine. Bill, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help while I can? <laughs> <laughs> how you doing, Ron? Oh, uh, good, sir. How, how, how'd you make out with the storm? You're up there in Maine. You guys, you guys, gotta, you guys had to get hit too, right? Yeah, yeah, we got like 15 inches. Yeah, yeah, we got... Um, we literally had two feet of snow here at the studio. It, 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 wow. You know, when you looked at that on the, on the news, when you looked at that section where it said this is going to be the hardest hit part of New Jersey, that was us. Um, oh, really? Yeah, that was us. I mean, trees down and uh, driving, home, driving home Wednesday night with the plow truck, it was like driving through a combat zone. I can't tell you how many trees I ran over on the road. and I actually had to put the plow down to move things out of the way to clear the road so I could get, get to where I had to go. Um, that, that sounds like Maine. Yeah, it was it was really <laughs> hairy there for a while. So, but um, anyway, how can I help you, sir? 
Yeah, I did a 2007 Ford Escape, and uh, it throws heat really good while you're driving down the road. Right. As soon as you get to a light, no heat. Okay. Um, I want to preface this conversation by saying that I always like to measure heat with a thermometer. I don't, I don't like to hold my hand up to it and go, that's hot, that's cool. All right? I, I'm a numbers guy, but I get it. Not everybody's got one, yeah. but it's, you know what? They're 10 bucks. Get out to an O'Reilly Auto Parts and, and just grab a, an indoor temperature thermometer, and it's, it's nice to know. I like it because in the summer when I'm using the air conditioning, gee, it feels hot in here like the air conditioning's not working, but the duct temperature is 42 degrees. Ah, you know, that's about as cold as it's going to get. It's just that hot. It's July and August, so... Um, just, right. just something yeah, to be aware of. I mean, if you if you had to stay through a long light, you and it was ten degrees out, you'd be cold. Right. So, <laughs> you know, we've got we've got a couple of potential probabilities here. Check engine light on at all? No, because usually you would uh, say that. Nope. Okay. Nope. So, how long has it been doing this? A while. Uh, yeah, it's been. Well, actually, I parked it for the winter. Okay. Um. You parked it for the winter, and now you just started driving it again. Nope, I haven't started driving it again. I mean, I move it every time it snows, and it won't, if you just let it idle, it won't melt the snow off the windshield. You know what I mean? Okay, how long are you letting it run for? Oh, sometimes 25 minutes. Okay. So... If you get in it, you get in it and step on the gas and rev it to like 2,500, it throws heat like a son of a gun. All right. So the concern here is, do we have good engine temperature? Um, I'm going to tell you to go through the routine. All right, I'd love to see somebody scan it for codes. Do we have a P0128, a P0125, low thermostat or low coolant temp codes or insufficient warm-up? As long as those aren't there, then it sounds like we've got something mechanical going on, uh, whether it be in the heater core or in the electronic controls. And I'll tell you what, Bill, stay right where you are. Let me pull over and take this pause. When I on the wall so you don't forget to call for car advice done right 855-560-9900 now back to ron and uh, here we are by the way i should apologize for that last break so all the clocks in the studio are off except for tom and tony so i have to actually look at them to know my timing because you have to pay attention just tell your listeners you well, finally have to pay attention well, no. to tony and tom i want to say I, it i want to look at the clock no 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 save it you finally have to pay attention to tony and tom I tnt have, i have to pay attention to tnt thank you they actually mean something for once it only took seven years but um here we go but it's the truth because the generator um tom explain that the generator changes the, the the way the clocks are working because of the way its its frequency resonates with the cycle of the electricity. Uh, well, no, 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 no. The generator itself is supposed to be sixty hertz, which is what comes out of the power company, and the clock synchronizes to that, and that's what keeps the time steady on the clocks. But the generator is not a what's called a prime source, so it wanders just a little bit, and that clock does get off every so often, just because it does. Yeah, because it's off right now. It's um. We're 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 five off, six yeah, yeah we're off seven, a couple of seconds eight no we're we're right on we're, right now we're right on because I just reset it oh uh, but the clock we have is locked to the internet and it's pinging the uh, the U S master clock every ten minutes so we're right yeah, on the money this used to be a lot simpler when it didn't matter what we did oh 
I just no, no. If we weren't a network show, it'd be real simple because who cares if our timing's a little bit off? Did I ever? Before we go back to Bill in Maine, did I ever tell you the true story? Do you know why there's a there's a national um, observatory of time? I forget the exact terminology, but do you know? <laughs> Does it have to do with the train schedules? Yeah. Yeah, because, and true story. The, the, the ones that New Jersey Transit doesn't follow? Well, that's beside the point. But they actually, the reason they synchronized the clocks so many years ago was because the the number of trains, and I guess this is in the 1870s and the 1880s, um, the number of trains that were on the wrong track at the wrong time and all the head-on collisions they had in the middle of the night and under poor visibility because, you know, three minutes time difference coast to coast all of a sudden meant for train calamities everywhere. So to get everything locked into time, you know who explained that to me is uh, the mad scientist, uh, Dr. Jeff. Um, that, that's interesting. That yeah, really is it, interesting. It really is interesting. Yeah, is. That, but that's got nothing to do with cars. But, you know, you look at the mechanization of the country and the evolution of how things occur, and that's that's a true story, that the reason they synchronized time was to do with the train schedule uh, going coast to coast. Anyway, Bill from Lisbon, Maine, you still there, sir, or did I put you to sleep? Yeah, I'm right here. All right, babe. So, uh, you know, you've got low heat, out, low heat output at idle. Let's assume it's mechanical, all right? So, you know, we want to check engine temperature. I don't care how you do it. Um, bring the engine up to temp, you know, take it for a ride, come back after 20 minutes, feel the upper radiator hose. It should be uncomfortable to the touch, all right? If you've got a scan yeah. tool and you can do it by scan tool, we should see a minimum of 180, probably close to 185 degrees. If the hose is comfortable to touch, if by scan tool it's low, it's in the 170s or less, you've probably got a thermostat that's either stuck open or it's bypassing, allowing coolant to leak where it's supposed to leak and not do its thing. So we've we got a thermostat issue. If the thermostat's okay, then we want to feel the two heater hoses going down to the core. All right? We should have both hoses should be hot. Now, one hose is going to be slightly hotter than the other because one is going to be the in and one is going to be the out. The hose going in is going to be hotter. The hose coming out is going to be a little cooler because, as we all know, this is that lesson we learned in junior high about, um, you know, convection and, uh, you know, how heat is dissipated and the heat blowing through the heater, fan blowing through the heater core gives off some of the heat and it's going to take the heat away and the other side is going to be a little bit cooler. Not by much, though. So, uh, 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 you know, that's that. If, if, if we've got good flow to the core, but it's cold coming out, we've probably got a restricted core. Now, I, like I, I flushed it. I had it flushed. Okay. Well, I flushed it myself. How'd you flush it? And I flushed it with a garden hose. Okay, but, but how? Did you hook the hose to the core or to the radiator hose? I hooked hose? it right to the core. Okay. And then I took another hose and put it in ran it out from the other side of the core right? and put it in a bucket to see if anything came out. Perfect. Yep, that's the and way you do I it. Crank, you know, I cranked it, you know, the hose wide open. Okay. It, I mean, it was coming out of the other side just like it was going in. All right, good. All right. Now, now the other thing is... Did you happen to do it in the other direction, too? Nope, I only did it in one direction. Do it in both directions. Now, the other thing is, is that where you put the antifreeze in, it's got that little tank. Right. That has, like, black slime in it. Yeah. And it's not oil. Right. It. I've had two people look at two garages looked at it, and they both said it's the hose is deteriorating. Okay. Have you ever seen that? I've never seen the hose deteriorate. I have seen the black slime. I've attributed it to antifreeze breaking down back into its acidic base, and if I change the container 
it doesn't come back is is the way I right. judge it. You know, because yeah, it took well, it's, I, a, it's a 2007. It took 11 years to get there. Right. Yeah. And I put it's got all new antifreeze in it. Right. Um, well, and just just as a point of caution for you and anybody else thinking about doing this, if you go through the pain of changing all the coolant, change the bottles. If the bottle is, you know, if, if you've got issues with the cooling system, um, you know, change the bottle. The bottle's a hundred bucks or less. Yeah. And well, it's. I, I just put a brand new transmission in this this fall. Right. At eighteen hundred and fifty dollars. You right. know what I mean? Right. So yep. now I'm so stubborn that I'm going to drive this car. Oh yeah, why not? Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Hey, listen. And it's got, it's, it only has 143,000 miles on it. Yeah. But that's... But it's in really good shape, you know? How about how about taking the heater hoses off at the core, starting it up and seeing what kind of flow you get out of the core? You know, to the core, rather. I'm sorry. You know, if you take right. that, if yep. you take the inlet to the core and, and put a hose extension on that and dump that into a bucket, how fast does it flow? Does it flow like a garden hose? All right. If it flows, yep. if it flows like a garden hose, you know, then okay, we're good. So we've got good flow to the pump. We've got good or to the core. If we've got good flow out of the core, again, because you're going to go back and back flush it in the other direction, then we know it's not the core. So then, then you, you know, know the thermostat stuck open. Well, if the thermostat stuck open, you know, we got an issue. All right. <laughs> um, but the thing I want to get across to you is if the flow to the core is low. At this mileage, you might have a bad water pump. The veins could be worn, creating a circulation issue. Oh yeah, yeah. All right, and then and then last, you know, why can't this just be low on coolant? Could we have an air bubble somewhere? Well, well, I've done that too. I've I I put the cover off and let it idle with the cover off. This is another thing too. When I do that, it'll throw heat at an idle. Okay. When you do what? When I pull the cover off, where you put it in the tank, when it'll you, throw heat at an idle. When you pull the cover off, where you throw yeah, it? Yeah, that, that pressurized cover. Oh, you mean the radiator cap? Wait, right. Well, it's not the radiator cap. It's that tank. The, the expansion tank. Right. Right. Yeah, that's the only place you can put... Uh, right. Well, that is, the, that is the radiator cap on this, believe right, it or not. Right, right. But that's, if I leave that, if I start it up and I pull that off, it, it always has pressure in it. You know what I mean? Right. Have and you? I, have and you I leave that off? It'll throw heat on idle. Okay. Well, I don't see where that's going to affect it. Um, but just for giggles, have you tested the cap and/or replaced it? Nope. Okay. So let's look at that. Uh, at this point, I'd probably start this. I'd probably start fresh. I'd go through the tests I gave you. I would. Yeah. I would definitely replace the tank. I would definitely replace the cap. All right. If you think yeah. the thermostat is marginal at all, put a thermostat in it. All yeah, right. That'll have to have done. You can't even see it. Right. And <laughs> and last, you know, let's now let's talk about it electronically real quick. All right. Let's go look at the electronic settings. You know, if you put the temperature on cold, you'll probably hear the temp door hit on one side, then bring it up to hot, and you should hear it hit, or you should hear a change in the airflow through the ducts while right. you're sitting there. And if you don't, if you don't hear that swing, and if you do it, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you do it on, yeah, a, on a normal exactly car, what you're talking about. right? You don't need special tools to do it. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe you've got an actuator issue, all right? An actuator is the electronic control motor that's spinning the blend door 
on top of the heater core to determine how hot or cold it should be coming out at the at the ducts or the defroster and so on. So, right. Yeah. So let's 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 summarize. You need to find an O'Reilly Auto Parts. You need to go in and ask them in Motorrad. Motorrad makes a very good line of thermostats and caps. All right. Let's put a Motorrad thermostat in it. Let's get a Motorrad radiator cap for it. Let's replace the expansion tank, and then let's go test the rest of the cooling system, and we'll know exactly where we are. All yeah. right? Yeah. Um, you can obviously go online to O'ReillyAuto.com. You can also go out there. I believe it's Motorrad. It might be MotorradUSA.com or Motorrad.com, uh, and um, you know you can get more information about their stuff, too. They're all OE-quality, OE-level components. I got, I got one like 10 miles away. Yeah, that's where you're going, though. <laughs> All right, Bill, do that. Call me back next week. Let me know how you make out. Enjoy the next snowstorm. All right. All right, sir. You. You're very welcome. 855-560-9900. Ron and the car doctor. We're coming back right after this. Hey, hey, hey. Is Tony going to get up and start dancing again? No, can't be. Please, stay seated, Tony. No more of that. Ron Annie and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Let's, uh, wait, wait, wait. wait. Yeah, you what? put that bottle of rum? We can get him dancing. Yeah, we could, probably could. You know, I Listen, I understand we've got a new affiliate coming up. I won't say where, but down by the shore somewhere in Delaware. Um, they wanted yeah, some press and I, pictures. And I saw your note to me the other day. We don't need to see that. Well, what about if we put Tony in a bathing suit for the marketing department? I think that would be great. Get him a little Speedo. Uh, he's, only, only, if, only if you submit eye bleach with it. No, he's like a chick magnet. So, But... Um, you know, our man Tony, our man in our man in New Jersey. Let's go over and talk to Lisa in Minnesota. Lisa, welcome to the Car Doctor. How can I help? Hi. Well, I was recently in my O'Reilly's Auto Parts store, and I was looking for the Berryman B12 Chem Tool that you recommend. Okay. And the young man that was in there was trying to sell me on Seafoam, trying to tell me this is better product. Uh, I'd like to know if uh, what the difference is between the two, and. If there's a situation maybe where one is better than the other, and then I have another quick question after you answer that one. Fair question. There are a lot of fuel system cleaners on the market today, and when I start talking about all the different ones, it's based on real-world application, things I've used in the shop. I've used Seafoam. I've used Berryman. I've used Tecron. I've used Runright. I've used, I think I've used just about everybody, but I'm sure there's some out there that I haven't used. The thing I like about Berryman, and I always say this, fuel is always changing and fuel system additives are always changing. The thing I like about Berryman is when they talk about HES, their high-energy solvent technology, that's an engineering term, and I realize some of that's marketing, but that's an engineering term for something that they've taken and broken apart how it reacts and works on carbon. That HES, that, that high-energy solvent, that is, a re that is a residual action that it's working after the fluid has passed through the vehicle um, sometime later. They say it's a 24-hour cleanup after the fact. And I don't know of any other fuel system cleaner on the market that does that. So I've got to give the edge to Berryman. Is Seafoam bad? No. Is Do I think Berryman is better? Yes. Reason? For what I just talked about. All right. Um, you know, maybe the kid in O'Reilly didn't realize it. And that's why he was talking about one. Maybe all they had in stock was the Seafoam. I don't know. Maybe it was... Uh, he told me... He told me he'd used both, and in his opinion, he thought the seafoam worked better. Uh, I, I went with you because I've been listening to you long enough. I trust your experience over someone who doesn't even look like he's older than my kid. Right. Well, so, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, here's I went with the, the Berriman, and it worked perfect. And, and, here's the, and here's the other catch, okay? When, when we talk about fuel system cleaners like that, it's, you know, we won't just pour it in the tank and go, okay, it runs better. 
Um, I'll pour it in the tank. We'll come back. We'll look at the vehicle, you know, the day later, two weeks later, um, over a time period. On some vehicles, we'll actually take a bore scope, which is a, you know, it's an automotive stethoscope, and we'll go down inside and look at the back of the intake valves before and after, and we'll see quite a remarkable cleanup. Some work well, some not so well. Berryman works real well. Um, so that's why that's one of the reasons why we stay with Berryman, and that's why we like it so much. I'll tell you what, Lisa, stay right where you are. Let me pull over and take this pause, and when I come back, we'll finish up with your questions. I'm Ron Anning, the car doctor. We'll return right after this. Oh, I love that kind of music. That means summer's coming, cruising, hot rod. Oh, come on, spring. Lisa, we're back, as if you couldn't tell. Um, second question. My second question is probably pretty easy. I, I got an impression the guy who answered the phone had no idea what I was talking about. Uh, I, your, your 97 truck reminded me of this question because I have a 97 Buick with Sabre. You've helped me with it before, and thank you. And uh, it's more of a mechanical question. It has uh, something in it called Dynaride mm. that makes it drive like my daughter's old Air Ride Lincoln Continental. Right, and I was wondering if you could explain what Dynaride is. Marketing, because it, it makes a smooth ride even when right. the suspension is gone in the vehicle. Marketing, it's it's what it is. Dino Dino Ride or Dino Ride was that they dyno tuned the suspension for harmonics and vibration, and they gave it level ride in the back, air shocks in the back, and special valving suspension up front to give it that ride on a cloud feeling. Um, it's exactly what it was. It was tuned suspension. Um, gets to be expensive to fix when it breaks. A lot of people didn't fix it. And, you know, it's just it's the way those cars rode. I mean, that was 97. Today, 20 years later, everything is tight, sharp. You feel every bump. Um, and the, the dynamics of the vehicle are completely and totally different. Um, a lot of the factors that I think have changed in suspension and tires and handling is look at the size of tires in the last 20 years and look at what they've overcome. Um, in terms of sidewall, look at how thin the sidewall of a tire is versus what it was 20 years ago. And um, I guess it's the demand of the public and what people are looking for in terms of ride and how they want the vehicle to ride. But that's what Dino Ride was. It was Dino tuned suspension for a specific handling effect, which personally, I like the way the 97 LeBaron's rode. Uh, I'm sorry, LeSabre's rode. Um, I thought they rode really well. They rode like they were on a cloud. So anyway, Lisa, I appreciate the call. Thank you, and uh, enjoy your Buick. Till the next time, I'm Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor. Good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.